This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 13th episode. On this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please find me at Home Bodies Yoga on Facebook and Instagram. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Or if you'd like, I now have an email address, Rebecca at homebodies.com. So you can just send me an email about the show or about your practice or anything. I'd really love to hear from you. Um, my practice this week, I, I guess I've just been really feeling grateful for it. Um, yeah, I've been really into um, taking transitions really slow. So like uh, going from warrior two to plank and just like feeling the way that, you know, you decide to sort of put your hands down and turn your body back to the front of the mat. And that like the whole left side of your body just knows, or I should say my body, I guess, like left hand comes down, the arm follows, the core follows, the leg follows, the foot follows. And it's like, you don't have to tell everyone your whole body. It just does it and it's just so good to me it's so I love it the feeling of like the intelligence of the body even in something that's so habitual for me um yeah and then yeah the, the just this general feeling of my practice being this refuge and this sort of home um I guess just like a lot of gratitude for you know all of the teachers I've had and for that you know young Rebecca that confused 21 20 year old who got into yoga so that at this point I you know I've been so dedicated to yoga uh for what like almost 15 years that I it feels like home right it's just this place I can always come back to right I can always unroll my mat and it just I don't know it feels like such a great tool in my toolkit of self-care of life yeah. Um, and but then at the same time, like it feels like home. But then, you know, I've been it's really snowy here and like the snowdrifts are so big, I can't even take the stroller out. So it's sort of like real cabin fever season around here. Um, but it's just been feeling really fun to like try harder poses, I think, because it's like makes my yoga practice feel like an adventure. Um, so that's been really fun. I've been working on Pincha Myrasana forearm stand, which it's like, why is it that sometimes it's so easy and sometimes it's so hard? <laughs> like she's so mysterious forearm stand. Um, like some days it's like, oh, I'm light as a feather. And some days my legs are made of lead. And I don't know, it's just a really fun way to kind of like, I don't know, like check your the barometer of your body, you know, not that either one's bad, like leg, lead legs are kind of nice too, like you're sort of solid. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I've just been feeling like super just happy I have this other thing, this yoga practice as a way to cope, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm realizing more and more the reason that yoga is something that's always stuck with me uh, is that... I'm just like not very good at expressing feelings through my mouth, <laughs> like verbally, I guess, which I understand the irony there because here we are, uh, me talking to you in a closet and the only way I can express myself here is to talk. But I'm just, it, one, it like really exhausts me to talk about feelings, like my own feelings, not your feelings, like that's fine, just my feelings. And then the other thing is I just feel like I can't always verbalize it. 
Um, and I just, the physical practice, the asana practice feels like this kind of trap door into my emotional world that the, you know, that could, because the mind and the body are connected and the emotion, um, emotional body and the physical body are connected and they're all kind of connected. And sometimes like I can like sort of knock on one to like knock the others. And for me, the asana practice is just this way to kind of work through anything that's going on in my emotional world. Um, yeah. And then I've just, it's, I've been wondering, um, this sounds different, but it's sort of the same thing. I've been like wondering if I should talk about how some yoga, I don't know, quote unquote yoga gurus have like gotten involved in conspiracy theories like QAnon and how um, one of the people that stormed the Capitol said that he was a shaman, which isn't related to yoga, but for some reason seems to be like connected to yoga communities. Like the fact that he's insisting on organic food, everyone's like, oh, he's a yogi. And to me that it just doesn't feel like that's yoga at all. Like, I don't really understand how they're related because yoga means to be awake and aware and um, not, you know, not that I don't have empathy for people who, you know, are in a vulnerable place and, and end up believing in a conspiracy theory and promoting a conspiracy theory. But um, I, I don't think that's being awake. Um, I think that's a product of, you know, for one reason or another, being sleepy, which, I, you know, I've been sleepy before, too. Yeah, or um, I was listening to The Cut uh, this week, and they, which is a great podcast, by the way, highly recommend. Um, and they were talking about yoga to the people. And I've known this for a long time, but slowly, like a lot of these um, things that a lot of people, you know, people in the yoga community knew about are kind of coming up. But they, you know, really took advantage of their yoga teachers, they really, um, their yoga teacher training was like, pretty terrible like they were pretty terrible to them and I would say like almost like bordering on culty like they would make um some of the people hold their arms in the air for like more than an hour and then try to get them to talk about like trauma from their lives which seems unhealthy to me um I think definitely a therapist would agree Anyway, so, um, you know, there's been kind of a reckoning for yoga to the people because there was also like some a lot of issues with the way that they treated, they, you know, the instructors being racist and and just and then on the other hand, like the way the instructors were treated poorly paid and blah, blah, blah. And and everyone is you know, it, it, I kind of feel like it's associated with yoga because it's this, you know, corporation. I hate it when people say corporation because really a corporation is a group of people who decide to do a bad thing behind a name. But anyway, so this group of people, yoga to the people, decided to treat or, you know, decided to use yoga as this way to profit and gain power. But I don't, again, I don't see that as yoga. (laughs) It's not, right? It's... Um, I think whenever there's anything wonderful, and this is sad but true, that there's going to be somebody who takes advantage of it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't love the wonderful thing or, you know, feel empathy for the person who felt like they needed to. But yeah, I mean, 
it does make me angry that there were, you know, I think a lot, I know for me, yoga found me at a really vulnerable time in my life. So it really bums me out that there, to think that there were these people looking for, you know, a tool for survival, yoga, asana, meditation, and that instead they were taken advantage of and, and maybe robbed of this tool, right? Maybe it's hard for some people to come back to yoga after an experience like that. I can certainly imagine that. Yeah, but then I just unroll my mat and I think about all of the people before me, all of the, I don't know, millions of people before me who did a Surya Namaskar A and felt better, right? Felt more peaceful or more clear. And I just am so grateful for the practice and that it's there for me, that it's this thing I have. And, you know, people have other things. I, I'm sure some people feel that way about swimming, but yoga is mine. And um, if you're listening, I, it might be yours too, I guess. Um, well, I'm really excited to have Keisha on the show today. She She's one of the good ones where she did a yoga teacher training and saw a lot of holes in, in her training. And she took it upon herself to start to sort of fill those holes in. And you'll hear more about it in the interview. But I just really, like, I was so inspired by her confidence and her down-to-earthness at the same time. Like, no ego, just confidence. And and in that, you know, when you meet another person that has, like, straight confidence but not in an egotistical way, like, she was so genuine, it it's really inspiring to get do your own shit, um, <laughs> if I can say that. So, um, yeah, y- you'll hear more from her. But here is Keisha. Just start saying, welcome, Keisha. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, so let's just get started talking a little bit about what your work is um, and your new endeavor, the Driven Yogi. Absolutely. So um, I have been working in marketing and communications for the past 14 years. And just uh, two weeks ago, I made the decision to leave my full-time job and focus on my business, the Driven Yogi, full-time. And what we do at The Driven Yogi is we create continuing education for yoga teachers to become safer, more effective, and inclusive instructors. So that's a mouthful. So what does all that mean? What it is, is we fill the gaps that exist in 200 and 300 hour trainings to give teachers more training so they can be um, safer teachers. So that could be diving deeper into alignment, talking about trauma-informed yoga, which is a course that we're launching soon, and everything also to creating inclusive spaces across race, gender, and ability, which is another course that we're going to have uh, launching later this year. So when I hear that, it's such an obvious gap for me in 200 and 300 hour teacher trainings. Um, but I think for some people who, who perhaps aren't yoga instructors, that's not clear. Uh, what gave you this like idea um, to start the Driven Yogi? So I finished my 200 hour teacher training about four years ago. And when I finished my training, I realized that I still was not prepared to teach. I have an 
athletic background. I've been a competitive athlete for my entire life. And I have a lot of body awareness because of that and knowledge of the body, quite honestly. So when I finished my training and realized I still didn't know what to do, I knew that other people who didn't even have that knowledge that I had would also be having these questions about what to do. So I asked my teacher trainers, is there a program that I can do after this training to help me be a better instructor? Because I'm just not comfortable touching bodies, um, giving people adjustments, cueing them in a certain way. If I really don't have these concepts down and these ideas down and they, they just said, you know, people just get other people together and they just practice teach. Um, and to me that didn't suffice. And I kind of paused and I was like, huh, I wonder why something like that doesn't exist. And mind you, these teachers had 20 years of experience teaching together and none of them knew of something like this. So one of my cohort, uh, fellow yoga teachers in my cohort said, well, why don't you start something? And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, why don't I start something? And that's, that's really how it started. Uh, it started as a blog to just help 200 hour instructors become better teachers to fill the gaps that exist in that training. But as I was doing more research and as I was doing more teaching and doing more mentoring with teachers, I realized that this is across the entire industry, that a lot of yoga teachers, even if they have 500 hours, still have gaps in their training that they need to fill. And the Driven Yogi is there to help fill those gaps. Yeah, that um, rings so true for me. I've had the same experience where they were like, oh, you just need more practice. But the thing is about practicing with other people in a teacher training is it's all predominantly able-bodied white people, young, young white people. So it's really hard to be prepared to teach it like across the population of people <laughs> when you're just teaching a certain, and not only that, but people who are really familiar with yoga. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, I think that advice is... Um, excuse my language, but kind of shitty. Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, I agree. And that's, you know, why, why we started this. Um, and even, even when I started this and we have like a, a Facebook group, when I ask people questions in there, like there are so many questions that people have and even what yoga teachers are taught, it's so different from training to training. Uh, because it depends on who the teacher is and that's fine. But I think there are foundational there's foundational knowledge that yoga teachers need to have that is not being given to them enough in 200 and even 300 hour trainings. Yeah. And what I really liked just looking at the driven yoga website is it's very specific in its courses, because I feel like even, you know, looking at a teacher training at somewhere, you know, pretty pre prestigious, like the yoga tree, it's kind of vague about what you learn. Um, so I just like it that on your website, it's like, you'll learn about how to, you know, teach trauma-informed yoga here. You'll learn about that. Like, it's very specific instead of just sort of like, you'll be a better teacher at the end. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, so you, have you been finding that a lot of yoga teachers are turning to the driven yogi? Yeah. So what's interesting is, um, I was working a full-time job up until two weeks ago. So I wasn't able to focus fully on this business. And I know there was a need, but because I was working full-time, I wasn't able to like vet the teachers. I wasn't able to like do as much filming. Um, so there was a need and people are coming to us, but they, we didn't have our courses up because I just simply did not have the bandwidth to do it. Um, but we did launch or announce the launch of our trauma course today. And we've had a bunch of interest in that, which is really exciting. That's awesome. And congratulations on a new endeavor. That's so exciting. Thank you. It's been, it's been wonderful. Good. Uh, 
just were you just inspired to just start? I feel like this pandemic in a way has given people like, well, might as well just start again. <laughs> like <laughs> might as well start this thing I want have been wanting to do. Like what else is there? <laughs> totally. Well, for me, I I had a plan five years ago that I wanted to do this. Uh, but fear was something that was really holding me back. And I'm sure your listeners that can res- that resonates with your listeners. Um, I had a fear of like, well, what if I take this leap and it doesn't work? And imposter syndrome was creeping up. And I had had all of these things. And honestly, it took me the five years to work through all of that. And the pandemic just pushed me onto this path further because there were a lot of changes at my full-time job. And honestly, the universe kept telling me like, this isn't aligned with what you're supposed to do. And things just kept happening, kept happening. Kind of like when you don't learn your lesson, it keeps beating you on the head. Like, (laughs) no, you need to do something different. (laughs) That's what happened to me. And then when I decided to make, when I made the decision that I was going to leave my job, like so many opportunities started opening up and I knew this was the time, even in the pandemic, because it's something that I'd wanted to do for years. And the pandemic also showed me how precious and short life is. Of course, yes, we all know that, but I think the pandemic just, you know, threw that in our face. And I didn't want to spend one more moment not living my full potential or my full dreams. So I decided to take the leap. And so far, so good. That's amazing. That's, yeah, that's so inspiring. Um, How... So as a, like a course, I guess, so you're a course, well, you're CEO of Driven Yogi, but you're also sort of in charge of the courses. How do you choose, uh, what is it, um, how do you choose what the subjects of the courses will be? Is it just things you've seen? Is it by suggestion? Like, how do you pick? Yeah, it's a combination of all actually. Um, and like I said, I, I do a lot of research before we even come up with a course. Um, I ask our community. Uh, and when I say our community, I mean like the driven yogi community, one. And then two, I go further than that. And I go into other communities where I have connections to ask them questions. I do a bunch of surveys to find out what people want. And based on those surveys, those, that determines like which course we're going to launch next and what needs to come. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I know Emma Stern really well. Um, and it's so cool that you guys are doing trauma-informed yoga. What what inspired you to pick that up? Yeah, well, I mean, we are all traumatized right now. Um, everybody is traumatized. Uh, and that's that's a heavy word. Um, but trauma is, is not like these big, big events that happen. Like if you were talking about a, a death or an assault or something like that, those are trauma too. But trauma is just anything that can disrupt your way of life, your way of living. And all of us are going through that right now in the pandemic on top of the, you know, racial uprisings we had on top of the historical election we had on top of families losing their jobs and having to like reconstructure their whole restructure their whole family life and way of living. So that is trauma and people are coming to yoga classes with that trauma and teachers need to be prepared to support them. And that's why we wanted to do this course at this time. That's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I completely can see the importance of that, obviously, because I live in the world. <laughs> um, so 
I am so impressed with how calm and cool you are, even though you just took this huge leap. And I have a feeling it has must have something to do with your yoga practice. So can we talk a little bit about what your practice is like these days? Almost like I'm starting from the beginning of learning yoga again, because when the pandemic happened, uh, my practice went to the wayside. And that was simply because I was dealing with a lot of stress and so much stress that I couldn't even move my body. And that's horrible to say as a yoga teacher, because we say like, you know, get on your mat and breathe and move. But there are honestly some times where that doesn't help you or support you. And what you need to do is just sit there. And because I was somebody who moved so much, I was the person that had to sit there and actually think about like what I wanted to do next in life and, and what needed to happen. Since I made the decision to leave my job a couple of months ago, I've started practicing yoga again, and I have a newfound love for it. It's been humbling because I've, like I said, had to start from the ground up. So my practice used to be like inversions and backbends. And oh, now- I remember you had you. I mean, you pretty dope practice. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, but now it's just it's really moving slowly through vinyasas, or it's like holding poses like a long time, and that is also still yoga and still actually more effective, honestly, because you're having to work with the challenge of sitting there and breathing and you're feeling those muscles like start to light up, but you're just going to sit there and breathe. So it's, it's been really good to be on that side because one, I get to experience what it's like for somebody newer coming into yoga. And I think that helps me think about how I can craft my classes to be more inclusive for people who are practicing at all different levels and that have all different abilities. Yeah. Um, that's funny you say that. My something my husband always says is like the, in the Bay Area you actually can't get a level one yoga class <laughs> because actually everyone always assumes you know something. Yeah. Um, so I think it is so important as yoga instructors to remember like uh, that there are people who like don't know what Warrior One is and that don't don't feel you know that it feels very intense for you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually really loved what you said about needing a pause. I've had experiences like that a lot. And actually I have some anxiety and when I'm anxious, people are always like, Oh, meditate. Oh, do yoga. And it's like, that is the last possible thing you can do when you're feeling really anxious. It actually makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, uh, resonates with me that you needed a break. Like, I, I think that makes so much sense. How did you know when it was time to go back? Like you just had one day you were like, today's the day I enroll my mat or. Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. Oh, really? (laughs) That really is exactly how it happened. Um, Like, I was forcing myself to go to classes. And I I have a mentor, Whitney Walsh, who I love. And I love her classes. And a lot of people love her classes. But I couldn't even do her classes. And I went to her class, like, religiously, two times a week. Um, I couldn't even do her classes. And that's when I was like, oh, something is really off. Um, I, I, I have to take a break. And it wasn't her class at all. It was my mental state. So then when I, I did a lot of therapy, quite honestly, did a lot of therapy, did a lot of shadow work, which is also what helped me overcome this fear to be able to leave my job. And once I got through those barriers, I had a calling to my mat or my mat was calling to me, however you want to say it. And I, I honestly rolled out my mat and I just started moving and the creativity that I had when I was moving, um, the clearness of mind I had when I was moving was something I hadn't experienced yet as a yoga teacher. And it was beautiful to honestly go through that. And now I listen to my body more of like, well, do you want to practice today or not? Do you want to, do you actually want to sit down and do nothing today? Or do you want to practice? Uh, Which for me is something 
that I need to do because like I said, I am somebody who's constantly moving and sometimes I need to do nothing, which really means sit on the couch and watch TV. Totally. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. You keep mentioning like the, the, like kind of like having intuition because that, uh, like the ability to market or sell or, or whatever is so in touch with intuition. Um, so it's just interesting hearing you who come from such a big marketing background, like having so much connection with your intuition, like it, it makes a lot of sense actually. Oh, no, it just took, it took a lot of work to get there though. That's not something that was just innate. Um, it, it takes, it takes trusting yourself. I think we all have this ability and it really depends on the work that we're going to do to tap into it and to trust it. Cause a lot of us have feelings or intuitions, like you're saying, but we're like, Oh no, we talk ourselves out of it or tell ourselves, no, that's actually not, not what needs to happen. Um, but if, when you do the work and I'm only speaking from my experience, when you do the work to tap into that, it opens up so many doors. And now I fully trust my intuition for everything. I, I'm so working on that. So that is inspiring to hear. I can't wait for the day when that is true for me, <laughs> maybe next life, but <laughs> it'll happen. Oh, I hope so. I appreciate your confidence. I really do. Um, another thing you said was you talked about shadow work, which I've never been clear exactly what that is. What What does that mean, shadow work? Yeah, so shadow work is, so there are, there are two sides to ourselves, basically the side that we want people to see and the side that we don't want people to see, like the, I'm going to say, quote unquote, the negative emotions, uh, not a negative emotions, but the negative aspects of ourselves. Like say we are jealous people or say that you're someone who's very prideful. Like those would be your shadow sides. Whereas something like, Oh, she's so positive and she's so bubbly and she's so funny would be something that's the positive side. So what shadow work does is integrate those quote unquote negative sides of yourself so that you can be more aligned and um, more on a path that you're supposed to be on and just accepting all aspects of yourself instead of pushing them away. Cause what you, re- what you resist persists as my coach says. And um, since I've tapped into those, into my shadow side, like I'm so much more integrated and I can accept that the negative parts of myself, like, okay, well that's there. I recognize you you're here. And now thank you for that comment. And now you need to just calm down. And, and it does, it goes away and I can continue on with my day. If that makes sense. No, that makes so much. And that's basically like my understanding of really meditation and yoga is this like acceptance of whatever's happening in the present moment so that we can move from there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I would, was thinking we could end today with a little game. It's a yoga game. <laughs> okay. Um, so I will say um, a word and then you just tell me what pose makes you feel that way. Does that sound okay? Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, powerful. Warrior two. Ooh, strong. Plank. <sighs> Peaceful. Ah, peaceful. Shavasana. <laughs> Grounded. Mountain pose. Okay, last one. Joyful. Joyful. Uh, handstands. Oh, yeah. I love a handstand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Great. Well, um, I know that definitely yoga instructors are going to want to know more about your courses and I'm sure people are going to want to take your classes if they're available. So can you tell us where to find you? Yes. Uh, for in-person classes that are currently they're outdoors with our masks on, um, with COVID I teach at Ness in Oakland, um, at 11 AM on Saturdays. And then for our courses, you can go to courses.thedrivenyogi.com to see our current courses that we have and our upcoming courses. Great. And there, there's some really good ones on um, alignment on there with Whitney Walsh, who has been on this podcast before, and she's a, a, honestly an alignment genius. Yeah. <laughs> and also the trauma-informed one looks so great. Um, yeah. And then we can, I'll, I'll link in the show notes, but there's also, you have a great Facebook group. So I will put that on there too. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Keisha. This has been great. You're so welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Have a good day. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. I really do recommend that you check out Keisha's website, The Driven Yogi. Um, The courses on there are really good. So especially if you're a yoga instructor and you're feeling like you need a little bit more, just more in your training. uh, I know I feel that way basically always. Um, Check them out. They're really cool. And now's a, you know, if you're home and um, working from home, maybe now's a good time to sneak in a training. Our sutra today is Sutra 318, um, and the translation that I'm using is from um, Satchitananda, and it's through sustained focus and meditation on our patterns, habits, and conditioning, we gain knowledge and understanding of our past and how we can change the patterns that aren't serving us to serve more fully and freely. When we are fully present and aware, we are able to observe habits that cause us suffering and no longer have the urge to do them. So this is like the true yoga magic um, and why I think when a lot of people start a yoga practice, their lives really change um, because awareness is, I think, the secret to lasting change, to to a lasting change that you want to do. Um, And I always give this example. So if you've ever taken my class, you probably have heard this. But uh, one example for me is I on Friday nights, I used to like to go and get a margarita from uh, this place in the mission. But the margaritas were enormous. They were like full pint glass margaritas, which is a big margarita. Um, And I would drink that and then, you know, maybe have like another one or something. And then the next morning, I really like taking... um, my teacher's class, Jasmine's class at Laughing Lotus. And, you know, she's was very big on being present in your body. And um, I was uncomfortable in my body because two margaritas, one or two margaritas doesn't feel great. Um, and but being really aware of that, it she you know, she never said like, stop drinking margaritas, like she didn't know. But be just every morning being really aware of that margarita every Saturday morning being aware of that margarita slowly like I when I would look at the margarita on Friday night I would the feeling of the next day would come over me would like wash over me so then I didn't want it anymore um or I've had this experience 
actually, you know, you've probably had this experience with like maybe a fast food, right? Like you start to associate the feeling in your stomach after you eat it. I don't know. Maybe fast food agrees with you. I doesn't for me. So like, you know, like uh, French fries all look really, really good. But then I remember the feeling after and you're like, oh, I don't really want that right now. <laughs> it gets like less um, enticing. Um, yeah. And it's such a gentle way of learning. And I think, uh, honestly, the most effective because it's no teacher telling you what to do, right? It's just this presence, like you're always present or not always present. The idea is to always find this presence. And then slowly you start to realize like, oh, that actually, you start to associate the feelings of discomfort that your body experiences after doing something and you don't do it anymore or with yoga itself the opposite happens right like if I really notice how I feel after I practice like I take a minute to notice after I practice immediately after and then you know throughout the day like oh my body feels open oh I'm feeling calm then I look at my mat and I have these like great associations with like a good day and then I want to practice um yeah, so I yeah, I'm really into that sutra too. I'm not gonna say it's my favorite because I know I say that every week. <laughs> um, okay, well, again, please email me, Rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com or you, you can rate and review. I'd love to hear a rate and review, love to see it. Love to see it. Um, if you're gonna rate, why not five stars? You know what I mean? And then if you're gonna review, maybe something nice or something constructive, but nice would be better. Uh and I think that's it. So uh, enjoy your practice. Have a good week. Bye.